Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with marketing strategist Caleb Roche. Born and raised in Enid, Oklahoma, he is a results-driven marketing strategist with a passion for helping businesses thrive. He brings a wealth of knowledge and a personalized approach to every client with a keen understanding of market dynamics and consumer behavior. He leverages innovative strategies and data-driven insights to drive growth and expand businesses. He believes in the power of tailored marketing solutions that align with each clients' unique strengths and objectives going beyond one-size-fits-all approaches. Drawing on this expertise in marketing analytics, he empowers businesses to make informed decisions and unlock new opportunities for success. Enjoy this story. Hi, Caleb. Good. How are you? Nice to meet you, man. Where are you coming out of? Uh, Oklahoma City. How about you? Oh, I'm in Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, no way. Okay, so we're not too far away. Hey, Caleb, it's great to meet you. Thank you for taking a minute out of the show. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for the invite. You bet, man. So before we get into your story as a marketing strategist and everything that's led up to who you are now, I want to know for the last three and a half years, we went through a global pandemic. How did you make it through that and how did it change you? Changed me in a lot of different ways. So um, there's the element of, you know, kind of the family element where uh, my dad was military, didn't get to spend as much time with us and being remote, you know, especially when it came to my full time job, plus obviously my my business, I was actually able to work from home and spend a considerable amount, a considerable amount more time with my son and daughter and my wife. So there was that element, which was pretty sweet. And then obviously the pivoting, the cost changes, things like that in business. So if you we were to look at it from a um, you know percentage wise of how good and bad it was, I'd say 50-50 split. There was a lot of positives, but um, there was quite some bad negatives, especially in the marketing world. I mean, I remember getting you know a, an email probably four times once from a company. They did double price increases like three times um, for one of our major softwares. So, and obviously that's hard to pass on to your clients right away if you need. Yeah, that's the thing. I remember when the whole pandemic was raging and everybody kept saying go out and buy food everybody's going to be okay and i knew at the end of that sentence with okay that somehow it was going to get past us it always does the consumer always has to take the brunt so yeah it's okay because everything's gone up you know so it's the way it works i guess and i think it's the unfortunate part you know from our world i think it's a little bit different because on the marketing side our clients are raising their prices quite significantly. And I think quite honestly, the disappointing part about a lot of our clients is we've come to them with price increases with pretty terrible, uh, pretty terrible, you know, sentiment from them of why are you raising your prices? Um, and it's quite interesting because our services have changed significantly. We've we've tried to add value. Um, our prices have gone up from software standpoint. And what's interesting is obviously we've had good conversations with some of our clients, but some of our clients have raised their prices two to three thousand dollars, you know, in maybe service level businesses. And we come to them with like a five hundred dollar per month increase based on results. And they are like, we can't afford this. This is too much. I mean, so it's quite interesting to see just how much everything's going up. But then the tolerance of it for more of a commodity like us, um, it gets a little bit difficult, which is quite interesting. It's that whole do as I say, not as I do thing. It's strange. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's not, it's, it's, you know, it's all over the place. I mean, no, no one wants to pay double for eggs, but we're kind of forced to, you know, unless you don't eat eggs. But um, right. so there's that price shifting, but it's kind of, kind of interesting just on the, all the variations. I don't know. It's, it's fascinating to me, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. It's, it's very interesting how it's all transpired. Um, I mean, the economy, the way it cyclically works and how everything eventually makes it to us and how we all factor into it. it it's it's crazy. So 
let's get to the heart and soul of what you do for a living. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders. It's career day. And one of the curious little kids looks up and says, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that child? I put people in debt. Just kidding. No. That's that's the worst answer. <laughs> here <we> probably. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. And then they ask what's debt and what's credit cards. No. So if, if a third grader asks what I do, the big thing that we do is we help businesses get in front of individuals. Um, so, you know, from a broad perspective, my goal is to make sure that we put the the things in place on the back end to ensure that a business is prepared for the level of growth, prepared for whatever awareness they have, and then putting in the strategic framework um, for implementing some sort of marketing campaign, some sort of long-term brand awareness campaign, things like that. So from a very simplistic standpoint, we help businesses get in front of the right people. It's funny, when I was reading your bio, I came across Enid, Oklahoma, and I was like, why does that ring a bell? And while you were just talking, I just remembered, one of my very first jobs out of college, I worked for a home health consulting agency and they did all kinds of things. They did like comprehensive outpatient resource stuff, all these things. And there was one hospital that all these guys would travel to. And it was always in Enid, Oklahoma. So it all yep. came back to me, a big hospital. And yeah, so um, quite a quite an interesting town if you've ever been in. It's I it's growing. They've got a Texas Roadhouse now. They've got some really great restaurants. The problem is it seems like one of those boom and bust towns where it was very dependent on oil and gas a couple of years ago, you know, for 20, 30 years. So oil was up. They would always say like the new the car lots were empty because new cars were flowing in. The plastic surgeons were in business because oil and gas like there was like multiple things. And then finally, it seems like it's getting a little bit more economically diverse, which is a good thing. Yeah. So let's go back in your life. Tell me what what were the seeds of marketing and helping people, you know, really market their wares. How did you get into this? How did it evolve into who you are today? So I, it's not the, I always tell people, it's not the super cool story where I was like 12 years old and started a YouTube channel and became a millionaire, unfortunately. Um, but where it really began was I watched my brother watch dogs for people and I started a dog walking business. So I actually built business cards at like 12 years old. I was homeschooled at the time. It was great because I could let, I, I found a, a need for consumers. I, you know, people wouldn't go home during lunch or it would be a long time to go back to lunch. So I said, Hey, for five, $10, I'll go let your dog out during the lunch hour. You know, I'd ride my bike with area and people would pay me every week and I would make a pretty good amount of money for my age there. So that's where the entrepreneur marketing side came in was, you know, I wanted to do something on my own. I kind of wanted to be a little bit more creative. Um, and just kind of the long-term effects of that, you know, working in different industries, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer in the very beginning, moved into, you know, I realized that lawyer isn't like a sitting in front of the court every single day talking about these great arguments that you come up, you spend, you know, three days in court on timeless, dumb arguments, and then you you get one closing statement, that's the end of it, and no one hears about it. So um, it was one of those things that I kind of shifted and learned. So from that experience, I kind of realized that consumer behavior and the element of what makes people buy things or what makes people do the things that they do, that really what is what drove me. And so um, that's why I got my bachelor's in marketing. That's why I got my master's degree. I mean, things like that, I like to get a PhD, just to understand a little bit more about consumer consumer driven decisions. Um, and the end result of that was my one of my one of my jobs was a company at Inspire Brands. They own Sonic, which if you're in the Midwest, you know what Sonic is, Route 44. Um, they Jimmy John's, Buffalo Wild Wings. What I did was I worked on a product insights team. So any of the new burgers that would come out, any of the new products, limited time offers, things like that, we would actually work with the culinary team and push out a market research study, uh, an actual like taste test within certain markets. 
and we would basically present results back to the chief marketing officer, things like that, of how it did and how consumers would react, especially when it comes to price, ingredients, things like that. So that's where I exposure to this idea of there's more that goes into the marketing than people think. People think, yeah. oh, they just run, Sonic just runs ads. So they have two guys show, sit in front of a car and they film a commercial. That's it. But there's so many different pieces of data. There's AI, obviously, that's coming up. Um, there's a lot of automations in the back end. And there's a lot of just strategy that goes on the background that a lot of, I would say, smaller businesses don't think about when they do their marketing. So what did you want to be in the third grade? What was your dream to grow up and become? I wanted to be a lawyer in the third okay. grade. Okay. So right. I thought I wanted to protect justice and, uh, you know, I wanted, I wanted to protect the constitution, things like that. And obviously that's changed quite significantly. So who's a hero for you? Who's been kind of an inspiration in your life? So it's actually, um, kind of an interesting one, but, um, I always, I've always been a fan of Mark Cuban. Um, we've actually gotten to work on a couple of Shark Tank companies and uh, our Mark Cuban company. So we've had some interactions. And one of the interesting things that I think about Mark is he's done an incredible job of, you know, he's, I don't know how old he is now. Um, I know it's pretty, pretty, he's pretty old there now, but he's done an incredible job of, he took risks and he got through them. And I think, you know, as as you probably know with the journey as well, it's not always easy. It always feels like you see these people that are successful that, you know, have just kind of like had their road path in front of them. But what's interesting about his story is if you actually look in the in the back of it, it it's quite a long story and it took him a long time to be successful. So I think he's always inspiring and uh, someone I'd like to be like. So if you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now and spend some time with them, who would it be? Who would you love to meet and talk to? Do they have to be alive or can they be dead? We can we can open the door to everybody. Okay, oh, everybody. So Winston Churchill is yeah. someone that I'm extremely fascinated on. I don't know if you've you've done much history or deep dives on him, but oh, yeah. there's a really great movie out that kind of talked about him and quite honestly, he was not really fit for his job. You know, he was an alcoholic, he smoked a lot, he failed out of college, failed out of school. I mean, if you looked at him, the odds were stacked against him. And it shows you that someone with the right drive and the duty and, you know, someone that just has dedication can overcome anything, which I think is really neat. Well, I always remember that quote where I, there was somebody he met with a dignitary. It was it was a woman and she was talking about how much he drank. Maybe it was the queen. And he said something like, I have to drink a lot to be around you. <laughs> it was something yes. like, so, yeah. so I got to tell you one of the things, cause I've, I've been a big Churchill fan my whole life. I love, I mean, he's one of the most quotable guys out there. He just, he was like the rock star in a political attire, you know? And yeah. I remember going to London and I, the time that I went there, I was in, the back of a of a water taxi in Venice, Italy, on the morning of September 11, 2001. And I had to find my way back to America. And I remember when I came here, I saw in London, in one of their prominent squares, there was a statue of Churchill. And there was such an outcry about smoking. They took the cigar out of the statue. It's like, can't you guys just keep that in there? Can't we just be historically intact for some of these things and not cancel every single thing that we have lived through in our lives? I mean, how much damage do you think that's going to do for him to have that cigar? Everybody that will even remotely delve into him will know that he drank and smoked. 
Yep. Well, I think that's so it kind of goes back to the fact of, you know, all these successful people, it it doesn't feel like they've hidden it, but it's almost been hidden by a lot of people of all of their like rags to riches stories. And I think everyone has kind of that story if they're successful of like, you know, you might find some people that kind of were born into wealth or I mean, but they still have their problems. But I think what's interesting is you look into a lot of these successful business owners. I mean, you look at Elon Musk and like how many times, you know, has he talked about not sleeping and not, I mean, so all of these like what I would consider probably major issues about people that are successful. I think there's always something pulled back that we don't see, um, which is probably a good and bad thing, but I think it kind of leads to bad expectations. So that's the thing about Churchill is you wonder if they're trying to paint him in the right light, um, which is probably admirable, but you look back and you say, why can't we look at, you know, all of his good and bad, you know, all of the flaws that he has. Yeah, for sure. So let me ask you this. What is your motivation every day to wake up to do the job that you do, to succeed and ultimately be who you are? So I, I paint my family as kind of the, the driving force of that. So, you know, I've got some some great kids. I've got a, an incredible wife and, um, you know, they they drive me every day to, to get better and to learn because, you know, when I was on my own, kind of when I was doing these things, it, it was almost like I was doing selfish things. You know, I wanted to better my life. And um, while it's not bad, I think it's, it's really neat when you have a family that pushes you um, and encourages you and is there for the good and the bad. And so to me, I wake up every day to give my kids and my wife a better life. So you've touched a little bit on what you do, but what's been one of your best success stories as a business owner helping people? So one... I have two. So one educationally. So I was actually one of the youngest graduated and admitted to both my bachelor's and MBA programs. Um, so I was 21 when I got my bachelor's degree and I was 22 when I got an MBA. So I was a 22 year old MBA with a wife and a three year old. So had a lot going on at the time, which was pretty neat. Um, that was all during the pandemic, which was even crazier. Um, further into that, I've studied abroad. I've had a lot of experiences. I've lived in three different countries. I mean, so educationally in life, I've, I've lived pretty full, um, to what I would love. And from a business standpoint, I mean, we've, we've helped brands that are billion dollar companies grow. Um, and there's always the marketer that always talks about that. Like we've helped Forbes or we've helped this, but, um, it's one of those things that we have a four year relationship with one of these companies. And every year, it's just so neat looking back and seeing, um, the growth that we've had, the things that we've been able to do. So things like that are pretty sweet. What's the best thing about living in Oklahoma city? It's cheap. And yeah. people are pretty friendly. So, you know, not to discount how friendly the people are, but cost of living's here. We were able to buy a house and then flip it and buy another one. And we live in an incredible house and we're not paying $600,000 for that, which we're very grateful for. Um, and then the people here, I mean, I grew up in Pennsylvania. Um, Pennsylvania is beautiful, but the people you, you pull in front of them and you usually get a middle finger, you get yelled at here in Oklahoma. It feels like, I mean, you still got some of those people, but you drive around and you make a, you, you pull in front of someone or whatever, and they let you get through and they wave you, wave at you. So, you know, you can't beat how friendly people are here. And you're pretty central too, like Kansas city. If you need to get anywhere, you're right in the middle of the map. You can just go. That's the best part. So we live in, you know, in Edmond, which is just North of Oklahoma city. And there's the suburb part where there's some really nice restaurants. It's kind of fun. There's a college, things like that. Um, just North of us is a rural, rural, ugh, I can't speak today, a rural part of Oklahoma. So you get your out outside, you get to go walk fields, things like that. Um, and you're, you know, four hours from Dallas, four hour, four-ish hours from Kansas city. I mean, you're kind of in the corridor of everything and you know, flights aren't too bad. So it's kind of perfect. You know, you get to go yeah. fly East, fly West, and you can do both. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. If you had a dream tonight, you ran into the senior and high school version of you 
And you could give that young version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained in your life up to this point. What advice would you dispense on that young version of you? Man, I'd say everything's going to pan out no matter what. So um, I'm a pretty anxious person. I've always been. I've always wanted life planned out. I still kind of do, um, quite admittedly. But at the end of the day, I think one of the things that we've learned through our entrepreneur journey, through business, through marketing, through things like that, um, you know, at the end of the day, everything will work out no matter what. And there's always a plan. So um, I think you know, there's no point in in all reality of being stressed out about certain environments, certain things that could happen, certain what ifs. So that's what I would tell myself. So what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Oh, this is so it's a Churchill quote. So, you know, someone gave it to me when we were discussing this. Mm -hmm. And so um, what's what's fascinating about this, I've got it pulled up, is to build may have to be the slow and laborious task of years. To destroy can be the thoughtless act of a single day. And so, you know, one of it's it's quite fascinating. You build up these things, you do all these things. And, you know, we were talking, we were in conversation about a couple of different things. And, you know, to think about that of you can spend all of these years building, but you can destroy that in a single act of a day. And so yeah. that's that's quite fascinating. That resonated in the back of my mind. So you obviously have a real thirst for, you know travel and knowledge and all of that and i'm curious if you if we get off the phone time machine pulls up in front of your house and you could go anywhere in history and see one event with your own eyes where are you going oh this is a tough one you put me out this is this is a really <laughs> tough one um so let me think about this because there's so many points of history that i think would be so fascinating i mean i i truly would love this is probably the worst example i could probably pull out but in relative to Churchill, things like that, I would love to be in London during like World War One or World War Two, and just feel like, and it sounds so terrible, but the de the the depravity of of the country, um, and just feel how how things. Because if I think you know, we think that life is pretty terrible. Some days uh, we wake up and we think we have a pretty terrible life. Um, but I I look back at that and say. You know, what if every day we we had to go in our bomb shelter because we were being bombed every day? Like, what does that life look like? And so, you know, putting all all things in reality, I think that would be really fascinating to see. Probably not very safe to go back to, but right. um, I think it would be really fascinating because those people endured through a lot. So beyond like the personal and your family, professionally speaking, more or less, what are you the proudest of? Ooh. The fact that I've grown this business over the past three years, um, you know, we've been established for five years. I was able to, you know, quit my job and do this full time. We've got a staff now that work for us all full time. Um, and we have some really great clients and a pretty large client list. And so, you know, for a 20, almost 25, I turned 25 this month. And so for an almost 25 year old, this is kind of a big dream of mine and big, big thing that I can be a, a proud of. So, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're at a very established business for, you know, we've got a great 10 years ahead of us. Every, everything goes well. So, um, that's probably the one thing that I'm really proud of. So Caleb, everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? I think I'm a very personal individual. So, you know, you think about, um, you know, everyone talks about in networking when you talk to clients. My end goal is to learn more and more about someone when I have a conversation with them. So obviously it's a different situation because I can't ask questions as much right. back to you, but I really enjoy being the one that leaves a conversation. You know, there's always that quote or the, the you know, when you're talking about networking that if you leave a conversation and that person has spoke more than you or talked about their life more than you, they're going to have much more satisfaction out of that conversation and want more of it. And so 
in my opinion, I think that's one thing that um, my personality is really built for um, is I love having conversations with people, retaining information about someone's kids, someone's dreams, aspirations, how I can help them. Um, and at the end of the day, making them feel very valued. I think that's a really big thing of mine that I really strive for daily. So Caleb, if anyone wants to reach out, hire you, learn more about you, anything about your world, where's the best place to go? So I'm a golf addict. Unfortunately, I can't play as much, but I still uh, I still like to think I'm a golf addict every day. Because of that, we've actually built, um, we rebranded our marketing consulting firm as Go Club Creative. Um, our goal is to make this country club at like experience um, where we, we do a lot of golf puns. And so um, if you're looking to hit the range with me, if you want to go get a tee time, um, go to goclubcreative.com. Um, we have a calendar link on there that you can schedule some time, um, contact information. So if someone's interested in learning more, highly recommend it. Um, we're not just a golf country club marketing company. So I can promise you that, but it might look like we are. So you could just open that door wide open to dad jokes and dad puns and all kinds of things. Absolutely. That's the goal. <laughs> you know, my goal in life is to wear a golf polo and be the biggest dad and wear, wear the coolest golf hats out there. So that's it. at the end of the day, that's the goal. That's a nice hat you got on right there. Yeah, I dig it. Yeah. Thanks. Well, appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Hey, man, Caleb, this has been great. I really appreciate your time. Best of luck with everything and have a great holiday season. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it, Joe. Yes, sir. And before you go real quick, I just wanted uh, my son's a huge NBA fan and we're thinking about going down there over the holidays and, and catching a Thunder game. So it should be fun. I haven't been down there for a long time. Yeah, but let me know how it is. They've, um, we've been surprisingly decent this year really um, okay i don't i don't know if you've uh we we had a moment i don't know if you've if you follow much or your son but um josh giddy was in the news recently i don't know if you saw that but he's been under some fire for like two years ago he was talking it sounds like he slept with a minor oh but, yeah so right there was I, yeah. there was some stuff that came out about that that I was kind of worried because I was like, if this is true, Josh Giddy, he's not our star player, but he contributes, but he's still playing. So um, we've actually had a pretty good, what, what game are you guys thinking about going to? They, you know, my, my stepdaughter's boyfriend's a big Lakers fan. I don't know how that'll pan out okay. because of LeBron. So yeah. Yeah, I think that's the 28th. So nice. I, I, I don't know. We're, we're, I'm just open to going because I, you know, Miles is a big baseball fan and I really got him into the NBA right around the time the pandemic was coming around. I tried to do hockey and the NBA and NBA stuck and he's really into it. So I think we'd be open to anything depending on our schedule, but I, we looked at seats and they're not that bad and Oklahoma nope. city's close. So it just makes sense. And yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's incredible. Well, yes. if you're ever, if you're up here and uh, you want to grab lunch or something, hit me up. I'd love to take you out to lunch or dinner yeah. or something. So keep me Sounds updated. Good, man. Thanks for yeah. having me on the pod. I appreciate it. I yeah. I hate the I hate these interviews because I can't learn more about you. So we'll have to we'll have to do like a um and this is not a sales of like, hey, let's talk about your business. But I honestly love to learn like a little bit more about what you do and just your story. Sure. I think it's really neat. So yeah, cool, man. Yeah. A anytime you want, just yeah, send me over a link and, and when things slow Sweet. down and we'll talk. I'd love to, man. That sounds great, Joe. Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Hey.